podcast is brought to you by Ancestors. Ancestors is the UK's largest bleach-free, plastic-free and gynaecology-approved period care brand. From 100% organic cotton tampons, pads and liners to reusable period pants and period cups, Ancestors has got you covered. There's no nasties here. Period. Check out our range at Ancestors.com. Welcome to Sisterhood, the podcast with me, Lucy Lettuce, co-founder of eco-period care brand Ancestors. Firstly, I'd like to caveat that when I refer to the word woman in these podcasts, this is referring to anyone assigned female at birth. I want the trans and non-cis community to be involved and represented in all conversations in this podcast. Airing weekly, I'll be joined by professionals, informed individuals, and those that have been there before to discuss everything from fertility, pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum life. Discussing the realities of day-to-day life, I'll be lifting the lid on intimate thoughts, feelings, and sensitive topics, hopefully educating listeners along the way. My guest today is NHS midwife and lactation consultant and new mother of three, Olivia Hinge. Perhaps better known for her Instagram handle, Olivia Lactation Consultant, Olivia openly and honestly gives followers expert advice on topics we're sometimes too afraid to talk about. So welcome, Olivia. Thank, Thank you, you for joining us me. today. <laughs> so I'd love if you'd be happy to kind of give a little bit of an intro to yourself and kind of your background, how, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So um, obviously, as you said, I'm an NHS midwife and that I've been a midwife for, I don't even know now, 11 years <laughs> maybe. Yeah, 11 coming up 12 years. Okay. I work on a in a busy London trust and I work on the labour ward. Um, and my real love in midwifery is offering a sort of low risk setting to people who are deemed to have um, extra challenges and sort of their pregnancy and potential labour. So yeah, I love just offering, making people feel heard. Yeah. Amazing. And so you say that you have been a midwife for almost 12 years. Um, what made you go down that path, the path of midwifery and yeah, working you know, with women? I, I actually, I cannot tell you. <laughs> there was always this deep, deep yearning in me to be a midwife. So, oh yes, you like that. There was, um, so when I was meant to be revising for GCSEs, I just used to watch these birthing programs on Sky. Yeah. And my dad had signed up for one year of Sky and told me that was it. <laughs> so I was like, I must watch all these programs. And I just, I don't know. I just deeply, deeply felt like that's the job I want to do. Yeah. But I also thought, well, I'll go and do a normal job. So I went and did a degree in marketing first um, <laughs> and thought I'll have children and then become a midwife. And then I very quickly realised post-degree, I really didn't want to do anything apart from midwifery. So I was very, very lucky to get onto uh, a midwifery course straight after that first degree on marketing. Right. Okay. And and so you mentioned a little bit about kind of your childhood. Was there kind of looking back anything in your childhood that potentially kind of may have led you down the route of kind of, well, babies, but also, you know, working with women and sort of supporting women during this kind of massive transition in their life? Absolutely not. <laughs> I wish I could say something deep there. No, not at all. I mean, apart from going to an all-girls school and okay. really loving, I really love like the camaraderie. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I love, I've always really enjoyed women's um, company. Company, yeah. Like I know lots of people say, oh, it's really bitchy, yada, yada. I think men can be really bitchy too, yeah. but they're just a bit more in your face about it. Yeah. Um, so no, I've always really, really enjoyed yeah, female company, uh, women's company, yeah. 
I mean, it's so interesting because I think the only reason I ask is because I've recorded um, a couple of podcasts and sometimes when I ask that question, I think there is like a, a bit of reflection and potentially just sort of, you know, it hasn't come to you before, but actually, you know, yeah, even you saying you went to an all girls school, that these kind of, mm. these things do shape you and potentially kind of lead you down paths that you, you know, you didn't know you would, you would go down. So I think it's very interesting to, to ask. Yeah, it possibly is. And then I've gone into obviously midwifery, which is supporting women, but also my yeah. colleagues are predominantly female. Yeah. Even the obstetricians, the doctors now are more and more female. Yeah. So sometimes you have these amazing shifts where absolutely everybody working, uh, doctors, nurses, midwives, we're all women. And it yeah. sometimes feels really magical. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree. I think even speaking from kind of from the other side, I think going through childbirth and being supported by all these amazing women, like I think it's generally quite an empowering feeling. They've, you know, whether or not they've had children themselves, they've seen lots of births. And I think it's, as you mentioned, like that camaraderie you yeah. feel sort of heard you feel supported you feel you know you're in safe hands I think it's very magical we mentioned a bit about being an NHS midwife so I wondered if you wouldn't mind telling me a little bit about the sort of the lactation consultant side and, and what that entails and how it kind of links to to your work as a midwife so it's actually me qualifying as a lactation consultant is totally unrelated to uh, my NHS role. Fine. Okay. It's very hard to find the NHS even recognising the, it's an IBCLC, what a fancy okay. name. Um, <laughs> very fancy. Yeah, international board certified lactation consultant. But actually, so I self-funded all of it and it was following the birth of my first child who, so I'd been a midwife then. God, I don't know, like five years or so. And I was considered a breastfeeding champion midwife. Like I'd always had a real interest in, in lactation and infant feeding um, and supporting parents with sort of making choices around infant feeding, not them panicking and, and making decisions based on just, oh my God, we have so little support here. We've just got to wing it ourselves. So I always was very, very much sort of leading, trying to support people in my role as a community midwife. But then I had my own child and I suddenly was absolutely knocked for six because I faced challenges and breastfeeding was not easy for me at all with my first despite having you know in theory loads of theoretical information compared to sort of your average lay person who's not a midwife and I suddenly it really clicked into place for me as midwives our tagline is that we're the experts in normal in normality so yeah. um birth where there's no deviation from the norm um pregnancy when there's no dv you know all these sorts of yeah. things when everything is going swimmingly we're the experts not the doctors whereas when there's challenges we would then as a midwife say okay for example you're pregnant your blood pressure is very high i'm going to refer you on to my colleagues my obstetric colleagues the doctors but with infant feeding many of us within the nhs sort of go okay you've got challenges I'm really, really limited in the NHS services that are available to me as a midwife for me to refer you on to. So as a midwife, you sometimes really feel a bit like you're swimming against the tide. You you want to give families the absolute best that you can, um, but you actually have nowhere to refer them on to a lot of the time. Or services are so stretched, you know, that, oh, sorry, you've got to wait two months until you can see an infant feeding specialist midwife. That, that just doesn't cut the mustard. So I was just then really passionate about it and thought, I want to explore this more. And having met lactation consultants myself, I was very lucky I could I could pay to see a lactation consultant. And my eyes were open to, wow, this really is a specialist field. It deserves this qualification and acknowledgement that actually it's a, 
we need to be able to refer on to people who are specialized in it and studied, you know, really intensely in it. Um, so yeah, I got the bug for it and I thought I want to do this. So I did. So, cause it's completely separate to being a midwife. So kind of when you're obviously, um, not the moment, but when you're kind of on an NHS shift, potentially would you be, um, would you have the opportunity to support new yeah. mums with breastfeeding and, and, and yeah. like within your kind of NHS team, you know, I am, yeah. I'm guessing not everyone so, obviously is, is yeah. qualified in this. So potentially that's sort of, yeah, an area that, you know, people come to you for or, you know, seek So you my colleagues for. obviously know that I'm a lactation consultant. Yeah. So if there's any whiff of something <laughs> breastfeeding, Olivia, come into room seven. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would. And I'm always really, really happy to support my colleagues because lots yeah. of them, if, for example, somebody's admitted with mastitis, I would always say, oh, you know, shall I care for that patient today? Yeah. Um, and then I, a lot of the time, more junior staff or even really experienced staff, it, I would say, did you want to come in with me just whilst I yeah. do an initial assessment? Because you might, you know, not being patronising, but you might learn something. Yeah. And lots of them come in and go, wow, I had no idea on lots of that. And I've been a midwife for 20 years, for example. Yeah. Um, I think we should, you know, I mean, I don't know everything. Far from it. We're all yeah. learning within those roles all day, every day. Um, yeah. So yeah, sharing sharing information and wisdom is is a brilliant thing about the NHS. I think we're all quite open about actually, yeah, let's continue continue our learning. Yeah, definitely. Now it's interesting because so for me, I was lucky that when my son was born, I there was a kind of infant feeding. I, I'm not sure if she was a specialist. She was a sort of like drop in lady before I was discharged. If you express an interest in breastfeeding, then they sort of set you up with her. To be totally honest, at that stage, I, I you know, my, my milk hadn't come through. I mm. just, you know, had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, and although I was like really keen to breastfeed in that kind of initial, like in those initial hours and day, I wasn't really sure what I needed to almost ask. Like I wasn't, you know, obviously I wanted to understand the basics, but, you know, to some extent I'd kind of done like an antenatal class to understand that. So although it is really important in that first period to feel like you have the support, actually I went home knowing that, you know, having the sort of the textbook information, but not having the practical support to follow through and therefore a couple of, days later I did end up in hospital with mastitis so 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 I just um I'm curious kind of to understand you know from from just from your opinion really like how how is it best to sort of get support for breastfeeding is it is it like proactive you know you've just given birth you really want to breastfeed you know you seek out the support you know before you're discharged or is it a bit not more you know not to be kind of negative but a bit more reactive in that you know okay you try to breastfeed you're concerned about something that's when you then seek support it's it really I think a lot of it depends on your character yeah some people are very like to have a nice plan in place and that's that gives them safety and reassurance so in their I mean mm-hmm. I would always advise in pregnancy we do all our birth plan and then we just ignore <laughs> the postnatal bit and we all do it. It's a bit yeah. like learning to drive. You put loads of effort into passing the test, but you never think about driving in a car on your own. Yeah. And that's scary. And really it feels scary. the same when you take a baby home or if you've had a home birth sort of when the midwife shuts the door. You think, <laughs> so my advice would always be make a feeding plan and a bit like a birth plan. Think of sort of lots of different scenarios and ways of feeding and work out how you will get support once your baby's here if problems arise so you've got that plan and then when the baby arrives if there are problems you can go okay 
that number that we've got on the fridge is um, the midwifery infant feeding team or the health visitor infant feeding team. Or perhaps if you can afford it, you've asked around and said, has anyone had a private lactation consultant that they'd recommend locally? Um, and you've just got that person ready to go to put that sort of ball and rolling of getting support quickly. Yeah, no, I think that's a great answer. I think kind of having spoken to other to other mums, I, yeah, I do, I do think like you know preparation is key, and I think that I yeah I did an antenatal class and I met yeah some other mums through that, and actually as you say they there were either kind of classes or courses or individuals to speak to, and to be fair I did I I was literally just like. 24 hours too late and fortunately I had a fever by then so I had to go to hospital but actually if if I had just been a tiny bit more prepared then potentially you know it would have been fine and I could have yeah, used situation though doesn't it mastitis starts yeah. and it kicks you in the bum very very quickly yeah. like you become you feel horribly unwell very quickly mm. and sometimes it's just bad luck it's yeah. one of those things and you may not have been you know even if you'd had a lactation consultant stay with you 24 mm. 7 it could still have happened yeah it's it's then I think it can you feel so rotten with it that you can very quickly sort of go I'm hopeless at this I'm really bad look I've got mastitis should I just throw in the towel now mm. Whereas actually if you've got someone who can give you a pet talk um like a friend who's breastfed yeah a friend you know that goes do you know what? I had that too you're going to be okay mm. like just I the one thing I was really shocked by when I had my first child is that you need cheerleaders yeah and I had gone, I mean, I consider myself a really independent person. I don't, I don't need like reassurance from my husband, like normally day to day. I'm I'm not, not need, need is the wrong word, but like, I don't need someone to be like, oh yeah, you look nice. Or, you know, great <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. just like, I'm quite confident in myself. Yeah. Have a baby. I'm a hot mess crying on the floor <laughs> going, I'm rubbish at this. And I do need my husband, my parents, my friends to go, mate, you're going to be all right. Like, yeah. you're great. You're doing it. Come on. How are you today? Just checking in. Like, how's it going? Are you all right? Yeah. And that really, really surprised me how much I needed to be seen because it yeah. can't work. Yeah. You do feel like you're sacrificing a lot when you feed a baby. Yeah. You know, you so many different emotions just being a new mother anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it, that really knocked me for six. The emotional side of having a baby, when you know, you know, you're going to feel wobbly and emotional. But around feeding your baby, really, really shocked me. Mm. No, I completely agree. And to be honest, I think having mastitis really made me think. Okay, either I'm going to really give breastfeeding a go, or if I'm if I'm not, then kind of now is almost the time to just kind of almost accept defeat. It gave me a little bit of fire in my belly, and I definitely went for it. So I was lucky that I yeah I continued my breastfeeding journey but as you said it's absolutely not easy breastfeeding I think the journey is it's an amazing one and I am yeah I think there's so many benefits and I have to say I have really loved it but it is it's 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 difficult it has ups and downs <laughs> and um yeah yeah I think I think definitely being able to speak to other people about it as well because I don't know pre-baby I definitely I just thought maybe you would breastfeed you know you have milk baby you know takes the milk and that's as simple as that but yeah definitely a bit more to it than that <laughs> I think I mean there are loads of people who their baby is born they put their baby skin to skin the baby yeah. latches on job done it's easy peasy and mm. we sometimes forget that actually that does happen because you yeah. have so many people having challenges yeah um I think a lot of it is that we don't have handed down breastfeeding knowledge yeah you know we don't sit with our cousins and our sisters and watch them breastfeed yeah um, you know our mum lots of our parents didn't breastfeed so yeah. it's like we don't have any handed down wisdom and our society works very much around bottle feeding yeah. norms yeah um, so 
you know, it's it's remembering that breastfeeding is like learning to walk. Yeah. Um, it's instinctual. You know, yeah. you can do it, but you do have to learn how to do it. And you are going to fall on your bum often as you're trying to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's keeping that in mind. Yeah. And to be honest, that actually does lead me on to a question that I have, which is in the UK, we do have some of the lowest numbers for mothers, breastfeeding mothers. You know, why 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 is that? Is you know, is it because you know there isn't the support? Is it because there is this culture around, as you say, bottle feeding, formula feeding? Yeah, so it, 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 it's, a, it's not an easy one to answer. It's quite no. complicated. So it, the, our stats are, yeah, rubbish. So over 80% of people initiate the baby's first feed as a breastfeed. Um, and then it very quickly drops. Eight out of 10 people stop breastfeeding before they want to. Yeah. And not many, by the time that you get to six months, you're less than 1%. Yeah. But then by the time we get to six weeks, we've gone down to just 24% of babies are exclusively breastfed yeah so something massive drops off in that in that point yeah um, and exclusive breastfeeding at three months is 17 percent yeah um, so we know that something something big is happening in those first three months and I think like you say it's it's a lot of bottle feeding norms and normal infant behaviors so being unsettled seeming a bit gassy learning how to poo and fart coordinating their tummy muscles all these sorts of things is always breastfeeding is very commonly blamed for it so it's normalizing normal infant behaviors um i think also our stats are really really old so yeah. all the stats are taken from 2010 right so okay from 1975 to 2010 every five years the government paid for an infant feeding survey um and of course i love this sort of data but then at 2010 it was stopped because of the cost of it right. um so you know that's 13 years old that yeah. data is really old. really old um so i mean the, that that shows in itself what's you know breastfeeding how we feed our children is not being prioritized and given the money it deserves yeah. supposedly we're going to have a new infant feeding survey this year okay um i mean whether that will actually come to fruition it would be it would be amazing to have a new infant feeding survey because yeah. it would show us we need data to know when are people falling off yeah. their original and why and why. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm in a little bubble in London where I see lots of people breastfeeding older children, so toddlers, mm. preschoolers. Um, but I know very much across the country, it's a completely different picture. Yeah. Um, and where services are available, it's also to do with income, who can afford to pay for private um, yeah. lactation support. That's an absolute privilege. And it, it shouldn't have to be the case, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it would be so interesting to see the figures now, because I definitely think in this last period where there hasn't been any data, there has been quite a shift in terms of how people access information. And I think obviously social media is a massive one for that. And actually, well, maybe it's just the people that I follow, but my social media is kind of filled with all these amazing positive stories, support, like different, yeah, kind of micro communities of, you know, supporting women to continue their breastfeeding journeys as long as, you know, they they want to, they can. So I would be, yeah, so interested to see kind of how that changes. We, We really need that. And then also it would show commitment from, a, from the government into actually prioritizing infant feeding and seeing it and um, they have they have promised to commit quite a large sum of money but let's see how it you know how that pans yeah. out what, what that does in terms of services a yeah. lot of the services are based on volunteer basis yeah um which I always find very very yeah. frustrating you know yeah. it, people dedicate so much time to train as peer supporters and their yeah. time 
for nothing each week to go to cafes and drop-ins yeah. to help people um and, you know I really think that they deserve should be pet you know wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't happen if you reflected it on a male problem oh. yeah no I read recently and this is so sad and so awful about there being like a black market for formula because of yeah. the cost of living crisis and people not yeah. being able to afford it because it is really expensive yeah. and again that's even more of a reason why you know women should be supported to breastfeed because it's yeah. free yeah that really like took me by surprise and made me think about yeah our society and kind of how we live and yeah. what, where we're spending money and and so yeah. on because on yeah. the health so if you're on um, universal credit or um, a low-income family receiving benefits you can get like healthy start vouchers which yeah. used to cover the cost of a tin of formula it now doesn't right and yes they're a business they need to be making a profit obviously but looking at it, their prospects are vast. Yeah. And it's there was at one at one point a call for formula tins to be to go down the route of smoking. So to be covered, no labels, because in theory, all the important stuff that you need to feed your baby will be by by law. They're in the cans of a yeah. formula. And it's the added bits and bobs that usually have, un, you know, their claims aren't actually found by robust research. Yeah you know they're added and they're not actually necessary so yeah. it, it's very it's very political it's very yeah it's a deep one but my heart breaks for families who can't afford formula or are, if for example watering down the formula more yeah parents going without food so that they can buy formula milk that yeah, yeah. breaks my heart and so, so, you know, what do you think we can do to change these kind of these breastfeeding numbers? Obviously, as you say, we don't have kind of up to date stats, but, you know, for, for, for me and for you and for kind of, you know, for our day to day lives, how, how do we go about kind of changing this like mentality and attitude towards breastfeeding and, and formula? I think, I mean, I, I don't. I don't have a problem how anybody feeds their child if they want to formula feed and that you know definitely I think that's absolutely great but I what my wish would be that everybody had access yeah. to quality infant feeding support whether yeah. you bottle feed you pump you breastfeed yeah. um, you formula feed because yeah. you need to be taught how to safely prepare formula and how to give a bottle that a paste bottle feeding technique yeah. everybody deserves to receive that yeah I, I personally for me it's quality easy to access free at point of care infant feeding support it's the yeah. NHS recognizing qualifications like IBCLCs lactation yeah. consultants and saying actually you're highly skilled you deserve the pay needs to reflect your level of skill that, yeah for me it's it's access yeah, no, I completely agree. Seeing people breastfeed is great. Not saying that, you know, if you use a cover to breastfeed, oh, no, you have a responsibility to drop a cover. For me, that doesn't sit right. Modesty mm. is really important to some people culturally and religiously. Yeah. Um, but it's just talking about it. You know, it's 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 yeah. saying to your mates, oh, yeah, I'm still breastfeeding my 16 month old, my two year old, my three year old. It's it's being like, oh, OK, cool. And digesting that because that can be a bit like whoa you're feeding a two or a three-year-old yeah um and I understand it when people go that's a bit weird because you've never seen it you've never heard of it it's done behind closed doors and as you said like social media is such a great way to promote and to have these dialogues and exposure to images sometimes you do feel uncomfortable you see pictures of older children breastfeeding and it's like oh wow that child is like six maybe 
And it's like, actually, if it feels uncomfortable to you, that's something you need to sit with and think about a bit more. So, yeah, I, I really hope that tolerance to this sort of thing is is improving. Yeah. Uh, you know, time Definitely. Will yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's so true. And kind of we, we sort of briefly touched upon it there, but there are like different phrases that are kind of thrown around that have been for years that I think, yeah, often are maybe sort of handed down from generations and some are sort of thrown out. But there's two which kind of, yeah, the main ones that are heard at the moment, which is either kind of breast is best um, yeah. when that people are kind of trying to really push a breastfeeding narrative or fed is best, which is kind of shunning that breastfeeding is the only sort of route. What, what, yeah, what are your kind of thoughts on that? And what narrative should we be promoting? It's tr- it's really tricky. I think when people say these sorts of things, I think they genuinely are trying to be supportive. Yeah. And trying, for example, fed is best. They're saying, do you know what? Your baby needs feeding. That's the priority. Yeah. You know, please stop beating yourself up. So f- being fed is obviously the bare minimum. Yeah. There is a movement from a Professor Amy Brown saying things like informed is best is actually probably better. So yeah. you have all the information and you can make decisions or you've been able to navigate decent support to say, do you know what? Perhaps you can't exclusively breastfeed your child for whatever reason, but you feel that you've explored every avenue. And this is a decision that you have made rather than it's 3 a.m. in the morning, your baby is screaming, you don't know what to do, so you give it some formula, whether yeah. the baby needed it or not. Um, I think the important thing about Fed is Best is that it's also an American organization. It's called right. the Fed is Best Foundation. And it its origins are from a very, very sad situation where a child died in America due to the fact that breastfeeding wasn't going well, despite the parents saying, you know, I don't think things are going well. And they they reported that this breast is best narrative was pushing them so much that their concerns were disregarded. Um, And the baby actually eventually ended up dying, which is unspeakably horrific um and i can understand you know this family and some healthcare professionals are like this is not okay and it's not um this pushing that breast is best is not okay when we're not offering decent support and assessment of breastfeeding and skilling our healthcare professionals to know when things are going right or wrong yeah but similarly saying fed is best for those people who are in experiencing breastfeeding grief or trauma, it really dismisses and sort of belittles them. You know, it's like, why are you whinging? You can give formula, get over it. And actually, yeah. when you haven't reached your breastfeeding goals or you have reached your breastfeeding goals, but it's been a horrific, awful journey that you would never want to repeat. That can feel really rubbish. So you're sort of saying, actually, I've got these feelings of anger, resentment, um, grief upset so many different emotions can be involved in it you know people saying oh fed is best let's stop this conversation it it can be that can also feel very isolating and upsetting when you're saying this you know feeding my baby from my breast was really important for me so that that you know some people it will reassure to other people it will really sort of make them feel no one's listening to me no one understands how much I'm grieving over this process or how I'm traumatized I once had, regarding the breast is best, I once had, somebody once gave me this analogy. So if you compare it to buying clothes, so, you know, designer clothes, they are the best. I love that I'm doing a little, (laughs) you really can't see this, but I'm doing it the best. Um, And in my life, I don't have access to the best. I don't have designer clothes. I don't have an expensive car. I don't have, what I do have is what's okay. 
I've got MS undies and I'm fine with not having the best. And it really made me think, actually, yeah, for loads of people, having the best isn't attainable in many aspects of their life. So, you know, making that comparison, it's like, actually, I can disregard that. That's not yeah. applicable to me and my family, unfortunately. I don't have the money for access to decent um, lactation support. And what my council or my the NHS trust around me provides is little to nothing. So we know there's loads of health benefits to breastfeeding. We yeah. know that to mother, yeah. and ch- mother and child. But what you can't do is preach breast is best. Come on, this is the best thing for your child. Come on, get on with it. How come you're not doing it? I'm going to judge you now because you haven't even bothered breastfeeding. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're setting me up to fail. You're promoting it. And then you're leaving me on my own once I have my baby. You're not providing me with any accessible breastfeeding support society is telling me come on get back out there date nights with a three-month-old you've got to leave your baby you know do this do that and you're like hang on which is it am I meant you're not supporting me you're selling me the dream and then you're not allowing me to achieve it yeah it's so true I mean I think the one thing that I found about breastfeeding is like for you know in in a great way because it meant that I was always near him and that that for me kind of mentally was also amazing but the kind of reality of if you are breastfeeding, you know, you literally can't leave your, your baby or infant for the period that you are at least exclusively breastfeeding. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially if they're under a year, that it that yeah. is, you know, every couple of hours or so. And I think that was a really weird reality. I knew from the beginning that I wanted to breastfeed. I had my kind of my breast, my breastfeeding goal, but I never kind of, well, I hoped that I'd get there, but I never, you know, knew if I would. And then I did, and then I surpassed that. And I think as time kind of went on, I sort of realized, yeah, how, how we hadn't been detached for yeah. more than you know a couple of hours. That is quite a big commitment, which is amazing. But as you say, so you know, intense. when you have children, there's this kind of yeah idea that you know your life might just go on yeah. as it did before, or yeah, you go on date night, or yeah. I don't know, general. To believe the Daily Mail comments, everyone should just pump and give it in a bottle. Um, And I think when lots of us are pregnant, we sort of think, oh, yeah, I'm going to express so that my partner can give a bottle or so that I can go to X, Y, Z. The reality, I absolutely bow down to anybody that does any degree of pumping because it's hard work. You're feeding a baby and then you're trying to juggle pumping, cleaning all the bottles, sterilizing X, Y, Z. It's really, really hard work. And anybody exclusively pumping, I just absolutely take my hat off to them um yeah. people think it's really really easy and some people get nothing from a pump but they've got an amazing milk supply because their baby's a big chunk yeah um, it's not as simple as just express and give a bottle that's yeah you know anyone that's fed a child or or pumped will just laugh in the face of that yeah no it's so true and and again you know I do have I have friends who have done you know, all sorts whether or not they're they're still breastfeeding yeah. whether or not they I do have one friend who for one reason or another has has pumped almost exclusively from the beginning and Incredible. you know she openly says how like physically mentally exhausting it is and I think for her it's very much like she has kind of set herself an endpoint because she absolutely has to for like her sanity and yeah. that's that's really tough as long as we we have the support so that we can make the decision ourselves um yeah. you know that is that's definitely the best route we all deserve support to feed yeah. our baby in the safest and best way that suits us as a family definitely and just out of curiosity in terms of midwifery training what what kind of training do midwives get in breastfeeding it's um so the in terms of qualifying as a as a midwife yeah um, a student midwife has um breastfeeding skills that they have to sign off um so you know 
can they effectively and safely help someone position an attachment their baby attach their baby at the yeah. breast can they assess um, milk intake can okay. they assess basically when something's not going as it should be and who to refer on to yeah. um but a lot of that is um knowledge taken from your mentor okay so who is who you're shadowing so that okay. can be pretty you know hit or miss basically. yeah big range um yeah. lots of people find and I do understand it. Breastfeeding can be really frustrating because you can't just go, okay, do X and it's all sorted. It's this, okay, you've got to try this and you've got to keep doing it again and again. And I've got no instant fixes for you very rarely. You've just got to keep, keep going. Um, yeah. So for midwives, that can be, we're really short of time. That can be really frustrating. Yeah. You may not see that lady and baby again. So yeah, it's if we had more time, we are we are shorter and shorter on time. Yeah. If we had more time, we could practice our skills a lot more, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so that sort of leads me on to my my next question, which is, you know, you speak so passionately, it's clear that you absolutely love what you do. What's what's the hardest part of being a midwife and even to us being in this this kind of this space? Um, this is as a midwife, yeah. Yeah. Oh, lots of or it. even I mean, when it's breastfeeding the, the kind of the breastfeeding aura the breastfeeding it, you know the challenges time. it's all about time yeah so a midwife is in terms of infant feeding as a midwife a midwife is expected to do you know before if you're an inpatient in a hospital you maybe you go to the postnatal ward or you might go home from the birth center but a midwife yeah. is expected to do a breastfeeding assessment yeah a breastfeeding assessment would in reality if you do it properly will take at least an hour yeah. Because you need to watch a baby latch onto the breast. You need to watch the whole feed and how they come off the breast. You then have loads of questions to ask them. Um, and in reality, you can't you can't do that because if you're in a postnatal ward and you've got eight um, dyads, so um, birthing parent and baby, that's actually yeah. 16 people that you're yeah. that you're caring for. And you've got a 12 hour shift. Yeah. You can't do eight no. one hour assessments of infant feeding and do everything else. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's lack of time. And then because of that, we're losing our skills because we we don't have the time to do full feeding assessments anymore. Um, or maybe we don't feel confident enough to. And, you know, it's not like you could say to your manager, listen, I don't feel really confident actually suturing a perineum for example yeah. and they'll go okay we'll send you on a course um we'll help you we'll give you a qualified experienced midwife to to sit with you um, and practice with you know do all of this xyz practice practice and you just don't tend to find anyone really is that bothered about infant feeding and in, in you know it's real bottom yeah. of the pile in terms of spending in many trusts yeah. unfortunately and i understand that because what we're we're firefighting we're trying to keep people safe and alive at this point yeah it's it's it, it's desperately desperately sad I think yeah um, no. it's, it's all about time really definitely and then slightly more positive what's the yes. what's the best part about your job oh I, I it's it's supporting it's supporting people giving them choices making them feel heard you know you may you may have somebody who's having triplets and they've got really high blood pressure and loads of complicated things going on but it's listening to them and saying okay well let's get you know let's set this room up in a way that will make you feel more comfortable let's get your your tea lights out you know let's do xyz yeah. Um, you know, maybe if you end up in a theatre, it's like, right, let's make sure that we prioritise getting your playlist on. Everybody introduces themselves so you know exactly who everyone is and what their role is. And it's making it, yeah, it's yeah. an alien for many of us. Going into hospital is bizarre. Lots of us as fit 
young women we've, we've yeah. never been an inpatient in a hospital so it can feel really bizarre yeah. um so making it seem actually you're not here because you're unwell yeah you know ideally we'd all have home births but that doesn't feel right yeah. to everybody um it's make it yeah it's it's making yeah. people feel heard and important it's your yeah. it's your birth yeah no totally how has having your own children kind of impacted or influenced your work and, and kind of how you yeah how you approach approach what you do yeah it's again it goes back to people feeling informed and giving consent so you know lots of us for example with my first I was like I'd like to have a home birth you know I was at home at about five centimeters I stood up out of the (laughs) birth pool declared fuck it I want an epidural (laughs) Uh, but also I I had this deep feeling inside me that actually something wasn't quite right and it's it's enabling people to trust their instincts. Mm. Um, and that's the one thing I've learned having kids is actually all, shutting out the outside noise. Deep in my gut, what do I feel actually yeah. about me and my babies and my children? Mm. Because what society expects of me, most likely in my case, is not going to be the right thing for my family. Yeah. Um, and it, it's about trusting, enabling and empowering people to trust their gut instinct. Yeah, no, totally. And so obviously... And this is a, is a period care brand. So kind of periods, menstruation, fertility are all sort of topics that that we talk about a lot. So I'd love to briefly touch upon the sort of periods and menstruation and and breastfeeding. And if you have, have any kind of advice or wisdom to share about, about the two. So I get actually one of the most common questions I get by oh, really? is people saying, I'm exclusively breastfeeding my under six month old baby and yeah. my periods have returned. I am panicking um, because there's lots of real um, scare stories online about, um, you know, as soon as your periods return, your supply is going to plummet. Um, I know that a big um, celebrity, uh, an, uh, an influencer recently said yes. that her periods yeah. returned very early and that was a sign her baby wasn't getting enough milk from her. Yeah. And, that, and it's it's throwing away, it's actually myth busting. It's like, that's yeah. not the case. Yeah. Um, this is anecdata, so this is just my experience of what I see. But yeah. it seems like periods are returning earlier and earlier for lots of people. Yeah. Um, and it's actually nothing to worry about. I mean, I, you know, lots of people will go, I was really hoping for about a year without a period <laughs> or possibly longer. Um, yeah. So the first thing is, I'm sorry, you know, that, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry it's returned, perhaps when you didn't want it to. Yeah. But in terms of infant feeding, your baby may be a little bit fussier at the breast, possibly just before you bleed. And um, sometimes your milk can taste a little bit saltier d- due to the change in hormones. I've never actually known a baby truly need supplementation with express milk or formula when periods return some people okay. do give it because they panic and they're really worried and their baby's a bit fussy at the breast but it's important to remember that babies are really clever they've got these survival instincts so even if your supply did dip down for a day or two they can then make up and do a bit of cluster feeding and feeding more frequently in the subsequent days and weeks yeah. before your, your next cycle yeah yeah I think it's yeah we all hope for a break from it I think the other thing that people worry about is return of fertility as well. Yeah. Um, so look, for example, my periods don't return really until I night wean them. So I didn't have a period with yeah. all of them for about two and a half years. Yeah. Um, and that, again, can be totally normal. Yeah. Um, if you're worried about it, obviously see your GP and you can have some bloods checked. But we're all very, very variable in our cycle and how it returns. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, totally. That's some great advice there. So your Instagram page is absolutely full of kind of lived experience and also kind of evidence-based information. Are there any other resources that you would recommend for any listeners if they kind of are looking for breastfeeding support or any other kind of support for some newborns, really? I mean, my world is sort of social media. I don't know. There's a Midwife's Cauldron is a very good podcast about things for um, pregnancy, birthing, natal. That's excellent. Yeah. I mean, I've got lots of peers on uh, Instagram who I absolutely love. Catherine Stagg springs to mind. Yeah. Um, Who else? This is a Milk Rebels, very good. Um, Lucy Weber's excellent. Lucy Ruddle is brilliant. Um, And I feel like I learned so much from my peers on there. Yeah. But the really big thing that actually, personally that's also really helped me as a parent is holistic sleep okay so our expectation for babies to sleep through the night very early is you know not actually biologically what they're expecting to happen yeah Um, so there's some excellent holistic sleep support that actually really makes you realize what are my expectations over infant sleep? What's realistic? Is it realistic for a six-month-old to sleep yeah. through the night? No, it's not. Yeah. Um, is it normal for a two-year-old to wake up and still need support to go back to sleep? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it's really hard and it's exhausting. Um, but actually, it's reframing what is normal. Yeah. And as soon as you sort of let go of my child's broken, I'm doing something wrong, mm-hmm. actually, it gets a bit better. Yeah. You feel freed of it. Yeah. No, Tracy, I completely agree. I think... Um... Yes, sleep is the one thing that I feel like any parent, like no matter how old their baby, children, you can always talk about because, you know, the experiences are so, so varied, but also like everyone does struggle with it in one way, like even if they don't admit it, I think yeah. they, they do. So. I think it's also framing it that we all struggle whether your baby wakes up once in a night, that can be really yeah. hard for some people. Whereas other people are like, do you know what, my baby wakes up five times a night, mm. they're in a bed next to me, I whop a boob out, and yeah. the job done. we all sleep pretty well. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 trying to avoid it becoming a competition amongst yeah. friends. Say. Yeah, no, totally. So then we're going to move on. Sorry, I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. There's no right or wrong answer. This is just kind of personal to you and for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. So the first question is your favourite quote, motto or affirmation? You do you. Great one. A newborn hat. Gosh, I don't. I have. I, I always feel like I don't have wisdom to share with people. Even though I've had three. Kids. I mean, I completely, as a as an Instagram follower of yours, I completely disagree. I feel like you have so much, so much, so much wisdom. Drink a lot of water so you don't Ooh. get constipated. Great, yeah, that's a great one. Best advice for breastfeeding in public for those feeling nervous about it. Um, I've got a reel on my on my page that is we've called it boobing in the wild. Shows. <laughs> People feeding their babies in all sorts of different positions and places. Um, and it's realising, actually, when you first look at that, you think, oh, I didn't even realise you were feeding a baby. Yeah. Um, and I can, 99% of the time, people don't realise that you're feeding no. a baby, even if you get your whole boob out. Yeah. But it's also okay, what I used to do, maybe turn towards a wall. Yeah. Turn away if you want to, so that, and my other thing, look at the baby. Yeah. If you feel a bit daunted and you think, oh, I'm panicking, I feel my heart racing, look at your baby as you put them on the breast. Don't yeah. look up, don't catch anyone's eye if you feel nervous. Just look at your baby and what your baby needs. Um, and one up, one down. So uh wearing a t-shirt with a vest underneath, so your vest covers your tummy. Yeah. Um, and then you pull your t-shirt up, put the baby on, and then you can drop the t-shirt down so it covers a bit of your boob if you're feeling nervous. Yeah. And that's definitely put him to sleep. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> 
Um, no, that's a great, that's a great one. I, I had that advice. I was told either look at baby or go on my phone and yeah, you don't think about it, do you? Um, okay. I'm with anyone. Exactly. And then final quick, quick question is any natural or kind of homeopathic remedies for engorged or sore breasts? Well, I'm not a qual- I'm not qualified in in those sorts of areas. Uh, homeopathy, I don't I don't have, but I do love homeopathy actually okay. for my family and the kids. Um, in terms of engorgement, they can be. That's when your milk might come in, or, yeah. or basically when your boobs are really full um, of milk and like they're bursting. Um, it's all about light touch lymphatic massage. So it's like giving your boobs a spa day um, because a lot of the time the milk then you think, God, there must be so much milk in here. They're huge. But a lot of it is swelling and edema. So trapped fluid and okay. that can stop the milk coming out. So it's um, it's called breast gymnastics and uh, yeah, and lymphatic massage. Okay. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a great tip. Okay. So the next section is questions. It's impossible to answer. So this is, yeah, obviously again, there's no right or wrong answer and that it's so ambiguous. They're sort of endless, um, but really just kind of your, your thoughts and your insights. So I only have one of these. And the question is what does breastfeeding feel like or what should it feel like? Oh, in, a really good question. So <laughs> obviously it will feel different for everybody. Some people have more sensitive nipples than others and for me, particularly with my first, I wouldn't. So once we got over the tongue tie, the shallow latch, yada, yada, all those problems and feeding was going well three months down the line. I would never during that experience have said, for example, I could never have breastfed the baby and slept at the same time. I would. It was always an intense feeling. OK, so a very strong pulling, sucking. I would cast myself as a sensitive nippled kind of gal. Uh, Whereas now on baby number three, I could possibly shut my nipple in a door and not realise. No, but still, even with my third baby, uh, it it still feels like an intense pulling. And when you have a letdown, which is when your milk comes out of the breast, for some people that can be very uncomfortable, like a really tight, slightly painful elastic band sort of squeezy feeling. Yeah. Uh, some people don't feel it at all. It's no reflection of milk supply or any problems. Some do, some yeah. don't. But um, breastfeeding can feel quite intense. Yeah. Uh, but you do become accustomed to that, and you yeah. you do it does just become normal. And it's it wouldn't it would never stop me breastfeeding, no matter sort of how that felt. Yeah, totally. In fact, when I first had like a letdown, it felt like pins and needles. Yeah. Like and. No one told me about this. So I was really confused. And obviously I knew about letdown, but I had no idea the intensity yeah. of that feeling. Yeah. And I, I think initially I was a little bit concerned. But yeah, I think everyone is different. And there, yeah, that letdown is obviously so it can be so intense. Really it does get less and less as you go yeah. through your feeding. And m- most people, you won't feel it for the first sort of six weeks. It it comes with a bit of time, but yeah, yeah it can it can feel <laughs> bizarre. Bizarre. Okay. And then the next, the final section is Mythbusters. And so for this one, it's just a sort of yes or no. And then if you'd like to follow it up with kind of reasoning or some, yeah, some kind of thoughts behind your answer. The only reason I've asked this one is because when I had Ruben last year, um, it was very hot and this was a hot topic at the time so the myth bus is during heat waves or periods of excessive heat breastfed babies require additional fluids other than breast milk no myth uh well i mean breast milk is 90 percent water exactly 
So, I mean, poor you, you're probably sweating and feeding a baby dehydrated. <laughs> but as long as you feed responsibly, so your baby goes to the breast as often as they like, short snacky feeds are very normal in during hot weather because they don't actually want a full roast dinner. They just want a little thirst quenching drink, which is just the beginning of a feed. Yeah, absolutely. They don't need additional water. Totally. There was there was actually a... Uh... A Wally. Yes. TV. We'll leave it there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Olivia, thank you so, so much for joining us today. What an interesting conversation it's been. This episode has been kind of very much like your Instagram, which is just absolutely full of useful information. We're so lucky to um, have you speaking so frankly. Well, about thanks all of these for having things. me. It's, it's nice to be able to reach different people around infant feeding because even if you don't have children yourself or don't plan on having children it can be just having a societal norm that's a bit more breastfeeding can be really yeah. great um, no, so totally. thank you very much for having me no not at all thank you for for joining us and I, I do have to say before before you go that when I told a friend that I was uh, recording with a lactation consultant I think I just said kind of the array of different um kind of professionals that I was speaking to and I said lactation consultant and she said to me it isn't Olivia lactation consultant is it so I just have to say I think you've got you know a fan club out there <laughs> I mean, I this always, was like completely separate, just like a completely random mum friend who I was, you know, explaining what I was doing. I can't kind of shout from the roof enough about how useful all of your content is. And I don't know how you have the time to do it. I mean, yeah, superwoman. <laughs> My children are very good independent players. I don't do make-believe play. 